You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. Oh, how am I? I I am. Uh, oh, damn it. I had something clever to say, but now it's gone. Um, I'm well. I am well. How are you? Good. I'm excellent. I'm fantastic. I'm feeling reinvigorated in this new post-Hogak world. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. So so much has happened. So much has changed uh, since our last episode. Uh, I, I hope we got some stuff right, but um, yeah, we, we are in a whole whole new world. We gotta, we're in a post, post-Hogak pre-Stoneforge uh, restricted Karn world. It's all different. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so we, we did certainly get something right. We got we got the uh, the Hogak ban right, but I'm pretty sure most people got that one right. Uh, and there, there were some other more surprising changes. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the new modern format. And of course, the other formats that have been affected by bans, unbans, and restrictions, and unrestrictions. Uh, although maybe we won't talk about that one quite as much. So we'll we'll kick it off with that, and then we'll talk about the results from the SCG event this weekend, which was the first event using the new modern format and its new uh, banned and restricted list. So that'll be quite a bit for us to talk about, I imagine. Then we'll probably get into Magic Arena and the state of the beta uh, update that was given this past week with a lot of new information about Historic. So yeah, let's kick it off with the banned and restricted announcement. Last week, we decided to be fairly conservative with our banned and restricted announcement predictions because in the previous BNR, we had been like overly excited and we were like, oh, they're going to ban Hogak. They're going to ban a million things. They're going to unban everything. It's going to be a whole new world. No, we weren't, we weren't quite that big. But we, you know, we were taking bets on whether they banned looting or bridge from below or... Uh, what's the what's the altar altar of dementia? Is that altar of dementia? Yeah, dementia. yeah, yeah. So we we were kind of all over the place on on what would and wouldn't be banned, and wizards took a very conservative approach and just banned uh, bridge from below, which you know problem card in the format. We did say it at the time. Uh, it is. I think it does make more sense to be banned than not, but it turned out not to be enough, and people were just crying out for the hogak ban. So we all knew that was coming, and it did in fact come. But it came with a whole host of other bans and unbans at the same time. So let's do it here. I'll, I'll, I'll say these kind of in order of importance, I guess. So we'll talk about Vintage first. Now, I don't know if these actually have a big effect on Vintage. And I don't really want to talk about them all that much because I just I don't really know anything about Vintage. So I can't, uh, I can't intelligently comment. But uh, I don't know what you know. I think Kieran, Kieran is, our, is our Vintage specialist. He's, uh, we're missing him this week, unfortunately. He was uh, claimed by Electric Picnic. So, uh, yeah, we, we'll, we may not have as good vintage commentary as we normally would. Uh, yeah, the thing about what I know about Karn and vintage is uh, someone uh, told me that um, uh, vintage, vintage is almost unplayable because of Karn, uh, for Mana Karn, Karn, Great Creator. And they, when they said it, that to me, I thought, and I said, oh, that makes sense. Uh, and that's the extent of my insight into uh, what impact Karn had on Vintage. Well, I mean, the extent of my knowledge about Vintage is that Shops is great, and Shops is an artifact deck, so that completely makes sense to me, because Karn the Great Creator has the uh, 
the text that activated abilities of artifacts your opponents control can't be activated. And also, you can use him to tutor up artifacts. So, that to me seems like he would probably bust the format wide enough. And of course, there's lots of fast mana in the format. So, Karn being four mana, not really a big deal. Um, but yeah, so having said that, first, first big change, he is restricted. So, only one copy of him allowed in your decks. Mystic Forge, also restricted. So, a card from M20. Uh, basically a kind of a future site type card for artifacts and also allows you to tap pay one life to clear the top card of your library so you can have another look. Um, they, they've printed so many future site effects over the last like year. So they have Mystic Forge, Experimental Frenzy and uh, Bolus Citadel. So like it's, you know, it was basically inevitable that one or more of these would be fairly busted. Like the, the cards are obviously very, very good. This one sees playing Vintage. Um, Experimental Frenzy, obviously heavy play in standard. Bolus of Citadel, you know, when the first time you see Bolus of Citadel, you look at it and you go, okay, that's very clearly a casual card, maybe a commander card. And then it turned out to actually be quite good and standard in a lot of different decks. So, yeah, uh, Future Sight turns out to be a good card. Uh, yeah, so those two cards are restricted. Uh, Mental Misstep is restricted. That makes sense. So it's the it's the Phyrexian Mana Counterspell, so it's it's a single blue Phyrexian Mana, can be paid with blue or two life, and Counter Target Spell will convert a mana cost one. Obviously, that just kind of is an auto-include. They went into some of the reasoning for the for these. I'm not going to talk about it too much. Golgari Grave Troll, it was restricted. It had This card has had so much action in the past couple of years. And then Fast Bond is unrestricted, so I don't really know what effect that will have on the format, but they made some... Some uh, Ian, Ian Duke in the article made some comments that uh, it seemed like Fast Bond was a card that people really wanted to play with and they really wanted to use four copies. So how do you feel about these vintage restrictions and unrestrictions? Um, I'm, I'm glad someone's looking at vintage because I think people complain that you know, people in updates uh, tend to ignore vintage. It is quite rare we see a change. To, I'm glad someone's looking at it. Well, and it seems like these are positive changes. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, on that note of somebody looking at it, I, I thought the, the vintage uh, action, like the, 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 the actions that they've taken here in vintage, the only thing that stood out to me or looked interesting about this, you know, about these vintage changes was that in the, I think it's like the last, yeah, it's like the last paragraph about the vintage part. Uh, Ian Duke says, we're very interested in what the vintage community thinks of these changes and whether further steps are needed. There will be one more opportunity to change the BNR list before Eternal Weekend North America, and we are willing to do so. So please continue to make yourselves heard in the same way as you have been. And also there's the line in the previous paragraph about recently many players have suggested Fast Bond as a card they would enjoy building with four copies of. I don't think I've ever seen them call out in a BNR update like this before that they're like, Okay, here's a, a ban that we're doing purely as a reaction to what players have said, and please let us know what else needs to be banned or restricted. Yeah, I think um, I yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think right on both of those parts because uh, usually kind of the tone of these being updates has been like <clears throat> like a this is a thing we very much did not want to do, and we have no choice but to do it. And here's some very mathematical and statistical driven reasons why. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, here, here it's very submitting, like, yeah, he's like this. Here you go. Uh, let us know what else you want. Uh, we're open to suggestions. Which I think kind okay. of, I mean, that, that kind of just is more of a, an indicator of vintage than anything else. It's just the vintage player base, player base is very, very small. 
Uh, not a lot of people have the money necessary to play those type of decks. Obviously online, it's obviously much more played than in paper. And online, it's not nearly as expensive, but it is still expensive. So yeah, I, I think this is an interesting way to go for a, for a niche format like that. Obviously, they don't put a lot of effort into testing it or worrying about it. So I think soliciting opinions and ideas from the community is a, is a good way to go. And I think it would be good for them to do that going forward in certain formats like vintage, maybe legacy even. No, I, I think legacy is maybe too big for that, but I don't know, pop or something like that. It's, it's an interesting an interesting approach. Yeah, yeah. I wonder at this point, would vintage be as popular as old school? Is old school still far? I, I kind of see them both as being small formats, but I feel like I hear more about old school uh, in community as I do hear about vintage. Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure about the relative popularity of those two formats, but old school isn't like an officially sanctioned format, so they can't even yeah. take any action there. So. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next most important, I would say, is the standard unbanning of Rampaging Ferocidon, the little dino that could. Hurrah, thank God. Um, I've almost forgotten what this card does. It has a lot of, lots of uh, separatized text. I... But, uh, yeah, but it, it's, 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 it's good. I, I thought I'm not even sure to think about this. Uh, it's good that you can have one last run, run with it before the format ends. It was, it was really relevant uh, at the time that it was banned because it was used a lot, obviously, in the mono-red decks against uh, the God Pharaoh's Gift decks. So it shut down, it, like, you would uh, you would have your angel, what was it called? Angel of Invention. And you would bring it back with the God Pharaoh's Gift. And, you know, really you were depending on the fact that it would be like a 6-6 six, six or a 7-7, seven, seven, whatever, Vigilance, Haste, Flying, Lifelink creature. And, yeah, the Lifelink just wasn't happening because of the Ferocidon. So it was really critical at the time and it did make a lot of sense to, to ban because it just meant that people just couldn't beat the red deck. It was just way too good. So I think it, it did certainly make sense at the time. I, I feel like there could have been opportunities for Ferocidon to be unbanned. Like I really thought once like Hazret rotated that Ferocidon would be unbanned, but I guess they just wanted to play it safe and uh and leave it banned but then because they had the opportunity here with one month left in the format and they gave the reasoning of what did they have scape shift and vampires so obviously whenever uh, frostan says whenever a creature token no whenever a creature enters the battlefield uh frostan deals one damage to that creature's controller so if you're making a bunch of zombies off escape shift well congratulations you're now taking a bunch of damage so i think that that actually does make frostan relevant in the format yeah and, and it kind of and it also allows you to kind of think like uh i wonder because people people were uh, even though the escape ship deck is very very powerful but people kind of liked the way that the escape ship deck emerged um because we had we had escape ship to the format for so long uh we weren't really given any good payoffs for it until now um so people were happy when when it started to, to emerge whereas you'd wonder had frosted always been in the format maybe we never would have seen escape shift or maybe um maybe there never would have been a good time to experiment with a strategy like scape shifting into um field of the dead i i'm not sure about that because i feel like if ferocidon had been in the format the whole time then i'm sure you would have had a situation where at some times it was not the best three drop three drop for the red deck to play or like it, it just wasn't being played as much i feel like it probably would have contributed to the, to the whole metagame churn i guess we'll kind of get to see what happens the it's actually not out yet on Mm, on magic online it is so we we 
we do have lists, I think, from this new format, but it's not effective. It's not the, the this change is not out on Arena yet. It won't be out until well, at the time of this recording, it's tomorrow for me. So it'll be out tomorrow, two days for you, I think, right? Yeah, the fourth, the fourth of September. So probably by the time that's yeah, so what say it'll be out. Yeah, it's strange. It's a big, a big um, uh, lead time between the announcement and the actual effect of ban on Magic Arena. Yeah. Kind of strange, kind of strange. But I, I think it's cool to effectively shake up the format one last time. It, arguably, the format doesn't need it. It's been very diverse for the last, like, ages. It's been great. Um, but, you know, uh, a new little puzzle before before these, uh, before some of these cards from Ixlan and Dominaria and what have you go away in, in rotation is fine with me. Uh, I think there is some credence to what people are saying that they wanted to unban it so that it's unbanned at the start of historic because it kind of looks like historically speaking no pun intended uh going back to the creation of modern there were some cards that had been banned in standard that kind of automatically became banned in modern right so i think they probably didn't oh, yeah. want that to happen to frostedon or didn't want people to not they didn't want that to happen because they're in control of that, but they didn't want people to anticipate and expect that that would happen um, because, like, I think Frostedon should probably be fine in Historic. Yeah, I think that's, that's, um, that's fair. <laughs> I suppose being that's, yeah, that's a fair assessment to make uh, based on, you know, this sentiment in a vacuum. I mean, maybe things will change when we get to, when we eventually talk about the Historic, what a Historic really will be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it, either way it'll be fine. And yeah, it makes sense to have like a, a day zero, no, a, a day zero badness with nothing on it, basically. That's uh, why I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, one weird thing is that Frostedon is still banned in best of one on Arena. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Well, is it because the hoses down particular strategy is so hard that they don't want it there? It could be. Then, like, if it's only the stated reason in the article was, um, let me let me read the sentence. Note that Rampaging Frostedon will be unbanned in traditional best of three standard on MTG Arena as of September 4th, but will remain banned in best of one play. This is due to differences in the metagames between those play modes, with aggressive red strategies already performing well in best of one. So basically, the red deck is stronger in best of one play, so they didn't want to power it up anymore. That's that's their stated aim. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that because oh, I suppose to be people play red decks anyway in best of one more often because for fast game. Uh, or is that really why they're the best? No, oh, I don't know. So I, I've 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 played best of one so rarely. I'm not even entirely sure what one's motivation is when they queue up for best of one. Is it if you just want to try a new deck that and a new deck might fold to a red deck? Not really sure. I suppose. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just such a weird, <laughs> a weird thing yeah. to happen for this card to be banned in standard for most of its time there and then be unbanned only in best of three for one month before the end of four rotation such a such a funny yeah exactly it's like funny journey yeah but yeah not, not only does this card go into mono red but it can also be slotted into the dinosaur decks that have kind of arisen so you know those those got a boost you know we, we had a bunch of decks that that had key missing pieces that that they needed uh, being added by M20, so like vampires became tier one, where it, it had been you know a bit off for the the whole time that it was in standard. We had, um, as we said earlier, scape shift. You know, we had field of the dead was really the missing piece there. Something to actually do with the scape shift. Scape shift was the missing piece, funny enough. Uh, and then 
uh, we have now this change. Uh, well, sorry, we, we, we had uh, Jun Dinosaurs rose up as a deck because of Rotting Regisaur. And I think, again, that was a reaction to the metagame because it could be very fast and, and have a very quick kill. But maybe now the Dinosaurs decks just become Gruel decks and they just slot Frostodon into that three-drop spot because then they'll just automatically have more game against vampires because they don't vampires doesn't have access to its life gain anymore uh all their creatures come in and you know make them take damage so i don't know maybe maybe it make, it's it's good enough i mean that the rate on rotting register is insane but being a two color deck also makes you more consistent and you know Frostodon is is no slouch either it's a it's a three three menace with a good effect so yeah i, I mean that, that, that definitely makes sense um yeah, this was an under consideration is uh, the two mana two tree, the other other red, the red, the other red dinosaur from N twenty. Oh yeah, um, yeah, that uh, yeah. That I guess was... yeah. So that's it. It fits with. Um, that was the huge thing for the. Was it? Yeah. Totally forgot that guy. Yeah. Marauding, Marauding yeah. Uh, yeah. So I suppose yeah, it's it's because I feel like kind of am I right in saying that Procedon's kind of life cycle was started off was like a cyborg card for red decks, but then red decks realized that oh, this is just good enough on rate itself. So just main board it, and then um, you're just automatically hosing down your the number one strategy against you. Uh, so I think it's to kind of see this. I, I think I don't think we'd see this card go through that same life cycle again in the course of the moment. I think people will either just try to main board it and see where it goes, um, or or not. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it will go through the same life cycle. But what I'm saying is there might be some kind of cycle of like it should be in the main board of whatever deck that it's in, more than likely. But it should be like the, it'll cause it'll mean that you can either play that deck or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It'll kind of, yeah, because I suppose it is competing in the tree drop slot for, you know, with, um, with Rotting Redditor. Like, when... Yeah, that's like, yeah, you need to play both. Yeah, the, the, the week that before the, the Arena MCQ, when just Scapeshift and Vampires were, like, the only thing on the ladder, and that's all anyone was playing, that's the metagame where you want your Frostodon. And then when the metagame falls past that, then you're then you say... Okay, well, Frostodon's not so good anymore. It kind of becomes like the the key card of the deck that tells you whether the deck the deck is uh, is playable in the metagame or not. So when the, when the metagame evolves past that scapeshift vampires metagame, then you say, okay, well, Frostodon's not so good, so the whole deck is not so good. So I'll switch to a different deck until the metagame is in such a place where Frostodon is good again. Oh yeah, I see that now. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on from standard, we'll we'll maybe touch back on standard later when we talk about arena. Uh, moving. On to the headline of this announcement really is is modern. So we have three three changes in modern. We have Hogak, Arisen Necropolis, banned. Not really much to say there. I mean, we all just know that it had to happen. Yeah. Wizards themselves said, uh, oh yeah, we banned Fridge from below because we wanted to make the deck weaker, but it's pretty clear that Hogak was the problem, so it's banned. Um, then we have slightly more surprising, but still understandable. Like this is kind of what we... Some number of us, I think, I can't remember if it was you or Kieran, called last time that, uh, so Fatal Suiting is banned. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, I suppose it's, uh, it's, it's in my opinion, my stance, and, and I guess Kieran's as well, was that it's something that, something that should happen, um, that made a lot of sense for, for them to ban Fatal Suiting, for all the reasons we mentioned before in previous episodes. Uh, I just never thought they'd actually do it. Um, just thought they're absolute madmen for, for, for putting the trigger, sorry, for putting the trigger in it. Uh, it's, um, yeah, so it's something that I was definitely glad to see when I first saw it, uh, because yeah, it's such it was it's such a dumb card. I think we something that we said before as well is that well, as long as you keep on banning the payoffs to these graveyard decks, you know something else eventually will come along. Uh, 
and you know maybe wizards will feel like their um that their uh, their design space is limited because you have such a strong enabler for graveyard x um that you know it's it's i think getting rid of beta suiting i guess one opens up the design space and two just opens up the whole format because really the whole like a lot of the format was being driven closer and closer to graveyard strategies between you got new between you got you have just you have, you have dredge you have uh, kind of Hogak Vengeline decks, you also have these kind of Monored Prowess decks or Spells decks with, with Phoenix. Like, there's so many different things you can do in the graveyard uh, with uh, Fateless Looting. Um, I, I think uh, taking, taking, it, taking it out uh, really does make a lot of sense. Yeah, you also had those... What, what was the name of that deck, that card? The, the one that's like, it's an artifact from Amonkhet or whatever, and it costs five, it costs two less, two less for each card you've discarded this turn. Some... Oh, Hollow One. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was very dumb. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's receded after all the other ridiculously broken graveyard decks that came out. But uh, yeah, that was also another card that uh, Faithless Looting was enabling. So yeah, they, they decided to take out the enabler here. I think it's a good idea. It's It was pretty egregious that Faithless Looting was allowed to exist in modern when other cards like Ponder or Preordain were not. It was, you know, functioning in a very similar way to those and just like making a lot of games play out the same uh ian duke referenced the fact that people were main decking lots of cards like surgical extraction ley line rest in peace so they basically said you know this is this is not really what we want to be so faithless looting is banned um boom yep yeah so this kind of, obviously this this hits you know the the hogak deck uh hogak obviously is gone but there is still a deck there with like Venge Vines and stuff. Uh, I did see a 5-0, I think it was a 5-0 from someone who had like a Venge Vine, uh, Venge Vine list without Hogak and obviously without Faithless Looting. I'm not sure kind of what was in its place, but it's still, I mean, it's. I think it's gone back to maybe a fringe deck. Um, but Dredge, I think is, even though Dredge is hit by this Faithless Looting ban, I think Dredge is still probably fine. And we were seeing dredge lists pop up with what is it what's the card it's it's a blue it's a blue card uh, tome scour is that tome scour yeah, tome yeah. Scour, which is just target player. very surprised to see this Tar- target player puts the puts the top five cards of the graveyard or the the library into the graveyard so i mean that's that's way more all in than faithless looting and it doesn't fix your hand if you have parts in your hand that you'd need to not be in your hand like if you have a um prized amalgam in your hand that obviously doesn't really help you or an archimeva in your hand or whatever uh so you know the 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 dredge deck just has to has to look to cathartic reunion for for the for that purpose now but uh, i think dredge is still probably going to be fine perfectly playable deck slightly powered down yeah exactly i, I think and then i think it makes a lot of sense for people be trying the um, dredge decks and dredge strategies uh, this weekend because of um because i guess you know, people's first reactions to these are but to these bands, these changes are, oh, well, now I no longer need to play surgicals in the side or no longer need to play four ley lines in the side. So I think <laughs> even though Graveyard Strategies took a strong hit, I think it made sense to try Graveyard Strategies uh, this weekend with these, yeah, watered down dry checks. And uh, yeah, I, I, played, I played against a few of them online and like they, do, they, they still seem fine. Uh, also, yeah, some, like I mentioned, some uh, Venge Line decks, which I mean, you know, yeah, Venge Line, you can still get some early Venge Lines uh, on the battlefield, uh, even without uh, Fatal Zooning. So yeah, I think things seem a little bit more like a lot or a lot more fair now that um yeah these strategies have slowed down and like like I think the, the card Tome Scour really just shows how um how all in these strategies have to be now in order to be viable. Yeah, definitely. So 
graveyard the graveyard has been banned um but no don't don't remove your graveyard hate as as you said i'll i think removing your graveyard hate is is people's natural reaction to this and like replacing it with artifact hate because of the urza decks and because of tron and whatever uh but i think removing all your graveyard hate is is probably never a good idea in modern you know hold, hold on to those few cards you know move, move them out of the main board but for all intents and purposes but hold on to your couple of surgical extractions or your rest in pieces for the time being. Maybe Leyline of the Void is uh, overkill now. You don't maybe we don't need that kind of nuclear option anymore. But uh, surgical extraction, rest in peace. Maybe some Nile spell bombs for the decks that need it, like Jund or whatever, for those different uh, card types in the graveyard. Absolutely, keep keep them in your sideboard. I think you'll be glad of them because decks like Dredge don't go away. You know, people people will keep playing it. So. I think it's a good idea to keep that uh, graveyard hate in your sideboard, and that is that brings me to well, talking about sideboard hate. Uh, the last change to modern is also a really big one, and it's one that people have wanted for a long, long time. And I think it was kind of inevitable after the uh, the unbanning of Jace and Bloodbraid Elf. So the other card that was a big part of standard, along with Jace and Bloodbraid Elf, was Stoneforge Mystic. And Stoneforge Mystic is now unbanned in Modern. I could not believe this. This was, I guess, like, I, when I saw the three cards, it's like, yeah, uh, uh, you know, frankly, um, Hogak was very obvious. Uh, Fateless Illuding was like, that's a, that was a nice surprise. But then uh, Stoneforge, that made me think, what, what have they done? Um, I thought it was, and I, suppose, I just thought it was fake. Yeah, exactly, because it's, it's, it's such a meme at this point. Um, and it's like, and as we kind of talked about it before, where some of those things were, when people had been complaining about Hogak, uh, people kind of use that as an opportunity to also talk about why Stoneforge Mystics should be unbanned. And my my uh, reaction to that was always like, well, that's, that's irrelevant. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about Stoneforge Mystics, we're talking about Hogak, we're talking about all these graveyard strategies. Uh, why is this part of the discussion? Um, but I guess now, I feel, I feel like in, in Ian's article, he did a very good job of, we're just kind of justifying how, right, if you take out Hogak, if you take out Vader Suiting, the format's going to be t- entirely different. Um, and, it, you know, the format being shaken up so dramatically is a good opportunity to introduce uh, so much Mystic, uh, which, yeah, I, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I mean, they actually, they built into this announcement a potential to reban Stoneforge Mystic, so they, they have this this line. While we think it's unlikely, there is a scenario where Stoneforge Mystic could come to suppress this type of gameplay. In which case, we would re-examine its legality, similar to Golgari Grave Troll's history in Modern. So yeah, like Golgari Grave <laughs> Troll, famously banned, uh, sorry, unbanned, and then re-banned again less than a year later, I think it was, uh, because it was just too good. So if Stoneforge Mystic does turn out to be too good in the format, you know, as we, as you said, this is a big wide open format at the moment. It's going to take a long time for the format to kind of congeal and, and solidify and for, for us to know Stoneforge's place in that format. Um, and if it does turn out that Stoneforge is, you know, stifling stifling deck choices and, you know, turns up in every single white deck and is just like a must-have and what have you, that uh, then, you know, maybe it will get rebanned. But for the moment, I think people are really happy with this. Stoneforge is a card that people have wanted to play with in Modern for a long time. It's funny that there's not really anything super new or interesting to get with the Stoneforge. Like the, the classic that, you know, was used in Standard is to get the uh, to get Batterskull and just put it into play on turn three. And that's pretty much what people are doing here as well. People are experimenting with the swords. So sort of, uh, 
fire and ice or ice and fire i don't remember which is the order uh, and... it's the one that's not the series of books it's the opposite it's george R. R. martin okay so ice and fire. fire so it's fire and ice yeah fire and ice sword of fire and ice uh sword of feast and famine and I, I i have heard some rumblings about uh sword of sinew and steel which is one of the new swords it's the one that's uh pro black pro red um and you get to destroy an artifact and a planeswalker i believe an artifact and a planeswalker and uh yeah that that one is potentially becoming more popular i'm not really sure why uh again i don't keep my finger on the pulse of modern maybe you can tell me yeah i, I haven't seen that myself um but yeah i think i think it's you know, the the format the formats and such as say that looks now it's hard to kind of say uh you know what it's for kind of what you're what you're actually trying to fight against because like you know, whenever I've queued up for a league, I've fought against so many different decks, so many different decks I haven't seen in years. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to target something right now. Uh, but uh, I, I suppose in terms of feast, yeah, sort of for feast and famine, I've seen that in the um, in the blue white control decks, and that seems very, 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 very strong there because it's a fact that they get to just untap everything on their turn, and when they have so much instant speed interaction, uh, you know, with um, with creature command and other counter spells and 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 uh, all that, um, just being able to untap seven lands. In like in the, in the day game when you're trying to take control, uh, just seems absurdly powerful. Yeah, yeah, feast and famine is a clear, clear good card. But I mean, just the fact that they did print new swords in Modern Horizons, and obviously it, it wasn't it wasn't a complete cycle either. It was they printed two, right? They printed the black red one and blue green one. Was it blue green or something? Now uh, there was pro black red and pro uh, pro white blue. White blue, okay. Truth and justice, yeah. Yeah, so they only printed two. So, I mean, that makes it clear that they probably want to print the other three at some point, probably in the next Modern Horizon set. They want to give themselves something to do. So, you know, the the, the power level will grow here. Plus, we also have Sword of the Meek in the format, and it's already played in the, the Urza decks. So I think Stoneforge just kind of slots in right there. The, the Urza decks were already kind of being four-color, so that they could play the Sword of the Meek uh, combo. Now they could probably just be Jeskai. I don't even think they really need the 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 black. Um, or maybe they, or maybe they can be Esper. Actually, maybe they don't need the red because the red was for Goblin Engineer, and I guess Stoneforge uh, serves a very similar purpose to Goblin Engineer. Or is it Goblin Engineer? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, puts it in the graveyard. Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose you see them playing the same role. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I suppose in, in terms of the, yeah, the sword of the meat, the sword of the meat decks, I've seen so many different versions of them. Uh, it's kind of I, I, I struggle to say which one is dominant or the best right now. Uh, since we're seeing a lot of the, the in terms of the the, the, the words of decks, we're seeing a lot of agreements uh, with the words of decks. Um, so obviously that's not playing. Um, uh, so forth with six. So yeah, I mean I think there definitely is a lot of options, a lot of flux. Uh, we're seeing lots lots of four or five color decks with so forth just it's a lot it's a lot of in there. Uh, I feel like yeah, sword of the meat. I think it's probably the most powerful thing you do in it because it is. It is kind of getting. It is kind of yeah, getting part of your combo together. Um, it is, uh, and also like if you're behind, if you're if, if you're in a position where you can't start with your combo, or if you're falling behind, you can go get Banner Skull, get something else. Um, yeah, I think that's the that's the option to go either for the combo or try to win or try to save lives another way. Uh, it makes a lot of sense for so far basic. Yeah, uh, I mean it. It does open up a lot of avenues for different plays and, and different things to include in your deck. The only thing about Stoneforge Mystic is it, it takes up a lot of slots in your deck because obviously you need the four mystics and then you need your package of artifacts your package of equipments um obviously batter skull generally going to be one or two of um 
and then maybe you'll have one or or two maybe even three swords so that's that's quite a lot of slots in your deck that you need to dedicate to the the stoneforge package obviously it can be less than that you can do like one sword one batter skull but you're still talking about six slots in your deck so you have to be cognizant of that when you're when you're deck building and stuff um but yeah, so you mentioned to me before we were before we started the podcast that you were having a look at Star City Games at uh, the article by Jerry. I don't think you're actually reading it right. You were just looking at the title, uh, which was 30 Stony Objects. So I think there are definitely a lot of decks that Stoneforge can go into. And I think it's cool that it's a white card because I've always kind of seen white as the worst color in modern. Um it's like a very, it's like a sideboard support color. So I feel like now Stoneforge makes it more like it might be a central color in some decks. So I think it can enable a lot of different decks. What kind of decks do you imagine or have you already seen Stoneforge in? Yeah, so I suppose I've seen in, in, in lots of decks. I think uh, I've seen in a few kind of mono white Eldrazi decks. Uh, I think something like a, a black white Eldrazi Taxes deck uh, with. With, you know, with Stoneforge, makes a lot of sense. And um, I think one started to me was this was uh, in the ooh, the open in Dallas uh, over the weekend. Uh, Ali Warfield played uh, Celestial Drazi. Uh, got it, she got as far as her winning in for top eight uh, and lost to uh, Grixis Shadow. But um, this deck was yeah, it was like it was uh, green white Eldrazi. So I suppose in terms of packages, I suppose this deck was really just like three powerful packages just thrown together, and you have some re- removal spells. So she has a uh, Eldrazi Displacer. Uh, she has a Eldrazi package of a displacer of Talatseer and of Smasher. It's Stoneforge Mystic package, Stoneforge Mystic and um, Batterskull and the two swords. And um, the Karn Great Creator package with a Karn and. So I think describing that, it seems like there's really not much, um, there's not much room for anything else. Uh, but it does seem like, just, uh, but I suppose this is a deck that's kind of, uh, you could say, tied together by ancient steerings. Um, and. Uh, you know, and you've got a mana base with uh, your brush and hand and the cavernous old and Eldrazi Temple. Um, so I think this is a deck I played against online, and I feel like it's it's something that it's attacking on so many different axes at once that it is kind of quite hard to fight against. Uh, and then you know, I think it's it's interesting that this is a Karn, the great creator deck that can get uh, Dampling Sphere. So Dampling Sphere, you know, in game one against Tron is absolutely devastating. Uh, whereas you rarely get Karn, you 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 rarely play Karn and Dampling Sphere in the same deck. Uh, so, so seeing that kind of come together was something that really kind of surprised me. Um, so it's always like this. This deck is something that I never would have predicted uh, being you know, viable or being, being even an option uh, with Stoneforge Music. Uh, but the fact that it was, it was piloted to such a, a strong finish in this tournament, uh, you know, also in terms of where everybody else is trying lots of different things, uh, shows that there is plenty of potential and plenty of options for uh, Stoneforge Music. Yeah, and we didn't really see that come to fruition in the SCG tournament, as as you mentioned. Uh, so the SEG Open over the weekend in where was it on actually in Dallas? Um, yeah, was pretty dominated by Burn. I think the day two had like two, no, sorry, twenty twenty something uh, Burn copies of Burn in the in uh, in day two, and it, like it was the most popular deck. And then we had like three three copies in the top eight, uh, and no copies of of Stoneforge Mystic in the top eight, unfortunately, it kind of makes the deck or the card seem not very powerful. However, we did have some copies just outside the top eight. So in ninth place and 10th place, ninth place, we had an Orzov Smallpox deck, which is a blast from the past. 
and in 10th place we have yeah. an Azorius control deck and both of these decks had the full complement of Stoneforge Mystics um, so I mean these two players pretty much missed out on top eight like on, on breakers you know they, they had the, the necessary record required to make top eight so kind of um, you know virtual top eights here that we could attribute to Stoneforge Mystic and then you know we have some other you know in in the other like in what, what are we looking at here 12th place we have Azorius Control there um, with Stoneforge Mystic we have hmm, where's the next one I see here Maybe in the Esper Control in 23rd place. Is there Stoneforge Mystic in there? No. Stoneforge Mystic in the 20... Yeah, sorry, the Ali Warfields deck, as you said, the 22nd place. It's down here as Selesnia Eldrazi. I don't know if that's the best name. It says an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pl plenty of plenty of, of Stoneforge Mystics within spitting distance of the top eight, let's say. Yeah, I, I think those, especially this one here in ninth, it's like it's close enough to be it's close enough to be considered a data point in a top eight. Yeah, uh, the, the, this eighth and, and ninth deck could very much be switched around. I think it was um, Todd Anderson in the coverage booth said like, you know, yeah, they, I think they, they they made the same point that there's yeah, there's no Stormforge Mystic in the top eight. Uh, but I think in terms of talking about how powerful Stormforge Mystic is, it's like you know, Smallpox never gets this close to a top eight. Uh, when here we can, we here we see it uh, in ninth place. That is a very good point. And uh, over in the the modern classic, so the smaller modern tournament, we had Dredge first place. So you know, keep your eye on those graveyard graveyard decks. But we also did have Orzov Stoneblade in seventh place with the full complement of Stoneforge Mystics. So there's a there's a little, nice little top eight for Stoneforge on her first weekend off. Stoneblade, Stoneblade's a name I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, I think Stoneblade is a really cool name for a deck. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you haven't come across it until this late into the podcast. Yeah. Or this late into the unbanning uh, draw some dates. But the, the top 16 of the uh, of the classic here is also completely littered with burn. So burn all over the place this weekend. It was the four-color Urza deck that, that took it down in the end against the burn deck in the finals. But uh, yeah, quite a lot of burn this weekend. Burn, I, I actually... Because you... you had mentioned just before the weekend that you were going to play in the Modern Challenge. You sent me a very funny message talking about how you're going to play in the Modern Challenge. Uh, maybe, oh. maybe I'll include that in the podcast uh, at the end. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I ended up... Go on, go on. Well, I, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll play in the Modern Challenge. I was considering like renting a deck anyway on Magic Online because I wanted to play like the new modern format. So I was like, okay, what, what will I play? And I thought about it for a while and I thought, hmm... All the things that people want to play are probably pretty bad against Burn. So I'm going to play some Burn. But then it turned out that uh, my work schedule meant that I wouldn't have been able to play the Modern Challenge. So I was like, oh, I just won't do that then. That's fine. I didn't even want to play any leagues or anything. But I had it in my head that Burn would be a good choice for this weekend. And it seems like it was because there was such a high number of Burn decks in Day 2 and in the top 8 and the top 32, whatever. So I think Burn was a great choice this weekend. It was. It's one of those decks that... Um, always does well in the week one of a format, like the way in, in standard mono-red decks generally tend to do well in week one of a format, a new format, where people aren't familiar with it, and people just forget about it. So uh, if you don't, if you forget about yeah. it, it's going to bite you in the ass. Uh, something, something, something. If you're on the lips, they're talking gibberish because they forgot about burn. <laughs> Some rapping. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, this was a, a voice message I sent very late on Friday night. 
uh, and I was so late um, when I sent this message that I slept in. I woke up at two o'clock, two p.m. I woke up on Saturday, um, and I went to get something to eat. I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to get back home by half three. Plenty of time to sign up for the modern challenge at four. Uh, but this is my first time using a, um, a card rental service for modern challenge or for like you know, for a weekend challenge or weekend event. And um, yeah, basically, I was unable to rent my deck out uh, between you know. But basically, all, all the decks rented out for this challenge. I guess it was a very heavily played challenge, this, this one in particular. And uh, I was unable to play. I did not get my 75 cards until about a quarter past four. Yeah. It was very disappointing. Um, but I, I got to play some leagues, so but, um, I, was, I was looking forward to it. Oh, well. Maybe next time. Yes, well, I am playing in an MCQ uh, this, this weekend coming. So oh. in a way, that's the real challenge. Yeah. Um... The real modern challenge. Was the friends you made along the way? Exactly. Always remember that. Is it? This is a modern MCQ that you're playing this weekend. Uh, yes. Yeah. This is. Yeah. So it's it's on the weekend. Also, um, we had these modern qualifier events kind of in 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 uh, shops around Ireland. Uh, I didn't play. I only ended up in playing one of those events. Um, I I was kind of disinterested in modern, but then when I played this one event in the World Chess, we talked about it here. Uh, I uh, came. Uh, I lost in the semi-finals, but that got me. Even though I lost in the semi-finals, I got my my um my thirst for modern back so i yeah started renting cards on magic online playing modern and um so now i'm going over to this to this mcq so this it's the mcq is on the day after the qualifying mcq modern series thing i'm not really sure how it works anymore but this is a modern mcq that much i'm sure of and i'm gonna play in it and i assume you're playing tron yeah so i mean it's i mean it's like uh, even if tron was 40 positioned i probably will still be playing anyway but i feel like it is in a very good position now because i think it's um it's yeah, because I guess it a lot of decks that were strong against Tron or have have been nerfed very hard now by by these bands. Um, I think it's when it has its strong start, you know, it's I guess you know, so if you you're getting getting a battle school on turn three is something that you know your an opponent's spending all their mana on, or they can't really afford to disrupt your mana while you're doing that. Doing that. Uh, so I think Tron is good against the Stoneforge decks. It's good against um, uh, it's it's fine against the Urza decks. Uh, so it's not really much I'm afraid of. I mean, it it has a bad match against Burn. Uh, kind of hoping the the meta shifts by next week maybe, maybe won't <laughs> uh, but i said before that kind of burn, burn is a bad matchup for tron definitely uh but it's a matchup that i'm very very familiar with so i, I know my way around it um but yeah we should be fine i mean more so well what i am got even if even if there are there is slightly more burn than usual you're still probably not likely to face it more than once or twice right so it's not the end of the yeah yeah, that, that's definitely true. Yeah, so it's so so I've, I've been doing well with it on bottom line. I'm playing yeah, mono, mono green Tron. Uh, I think it makes sense just to go over the top, go over the top of anything else. Um, you know, I, I was tempted by Eldrazi Tron as well, uh, but I feel like yeah, you, you just want to kind of you know, really kind of play as play on as unfair an axis as possible as the format is trying to get more fair. If that makes sense, people will be trying fair things. Yeah. Um. That's what I was going to say. Just stay away from all that nonsense. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been doing quite well at it. But I, I suppose, but I have been losing to. I mean, I've been losing to like decks I haven't lost to since you know two years ago, like uh, Titan Shift and uh, and Infect. Remember those? Oh yes, I do. I haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, Merfolk. Wow. Infect might. Yeah. So uh, I, I I think I like Infect. Well, maybe not against a lot of burn decks. Hopefully, <laughs> it's not that much burn. But uh, Infect could be good, yeah, if people are playing Stoneforge, Mystic, and Batterskull, and Karn, Liberated. Uh, Infect sounds pretty good. Obviously not good against Burn. Yes, it's yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of, these are the kind of decks that when your opponent taps two mana on the draw to play a 1-2 uh, a core, uh, 
the kind of death sentence, you would say, oh, thank God, you're dead. Yeah, I mean, especially when the batter's cold doesn't actually gain you life. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, yeah, some sick interaction. I, yeah. Wait, what's the on If you uh, if you have Karn, if you plus Karn, great creator on batter's cold, okay, it turns into a creature. Yeah, it turns into a creature and fall and falls off the token, and the token dies. Um, ah. So then it's and then and then it can't be equipped because of Karn, great creator's other ability. I mean, it turns into a six-six, which can kill Karn. <laughs> Yes. But uh, the 6-6 six, six doesn't have Vigilance or Lifelink, for whatever that Wait, doesn't it turn into a 5-5? Five, five? Sorry, a 5-5, five, five. sorry, yeah. 5-5, five, five, yeah. <laughs> Who's, who, who knows what Batter School's CMC is? It never comes up. <sighs> Nobody. Oh, okay, so it says until your next turn, the Batter School becomes, or the, the artifact becomes a uh, a creature. Yeah, okay, I thought it was until yeah, the yeah, end of yeah, turn. Yeah, no, that'd be great, but yeah, it's until the next turn. I mean, technically it would be worse for maybe, like, what? what it was originally envisioned for but for this situation uh yeah it would be better if it was only until the end of the turn um all right well that's modern uh i'm excited to hear your report when, when is your tournament again next weekend yeah so it's on a sunday yeah so so uh, you'll maybe miss the podcast next week or not i, I think i will i mean I, I i will be free on saturday um but i'd rather just try get some games in on saturday if there, I mean, if there might be some side tournaments yeah um so i can't promise well so I, I can do what i did before i can give a uh, low down on my last thoughts going to the tournament. Yeah. Um, and then uh, hopefully I can send uh, uh, a boozy tournament report of us, of me winning <laughs> and taking it down. That would be good. That would um, be great. Uh, yeah. So we'll let's look in that and you will let us know all about it. Not maybe not next episode, but the episode after that. And that will bring us on to the arena announcements. It's been a lot of announcements this week, a lot of, a lot of things going on. Um, so yeah. The state of the beta updates are have been regularly coming out of Wizards um, to describe what's happening with uh, Magic Arena, and we had an update last week, uh, and they shared some details about things that are happening with uh, Standard, with renewal rewards, and changes to Historic, which are kind of the headline here. So... Yeah, basically, they just reiterated standard is rotating very, very soon. There's not going to be a collection reset. Um, if you've never experienced standard rotation before, here's how it works. But I won't go over that. Uh, then they announced the renewal rewards. So renewal is their system of helping players get new cards after rotation. So basically, from September 9th to 26th, the, there will be events, standard 2020 events. And you will get 200 XP for every two consecutive wins. So that helps uh, boost your XP there, I think, at the uh, kind of towards the end of this format, just to help everybody kind of finish off their mastery pass. Uh, then from September 26th, on your first login, you will get 10 rare individual card rewards, so ICRs. So these are not rare wild cards that you can spend on anywhere you want. These will be random, randomly generated rare cards from standard. From the new standard, so it'll it'll be from uh what what'll be the newest the oldest set in standard whatever the first Ravnica set was Guilds of Ravnica yeah Guilds. from Guilds of Ravnica all the way up to Throne of Eldraine I hope they've built something into these individual card awards that stop you from just getting gems because like some of those sets I have all the cards so uh, I don't really want gems <laughs> uh, I would prefer yeah hopefully not <laughs> yeah I would prefer to get just all Throne of Eldraine cards that would be great. Uh, and then yeah. the uh, Eldraine set mastery is also going to have some extra 
packs and and uh, orbs and what have you built into it as part of the renewal. Um, so that's all the stuff that's helping you get some new cards. That's you know very generous, appreciated. They you know they don't have to give us extra stuff to help us with rotation, but they are. So that's quite nice. And yeah, they'll be doing all these yep. events to help people get the last of their XP. Uh, and then moving on to Historic. So they have made a lot of changes to Historic since it was first announced. So we, I think it was pretty universally disliked Historic by everyone, uh, their original announcement. And surprise, surprise, this announcement is also heavily disliked. Uh, so the original oh my God. would be that there would be no, no competitive, no ranked for Historic. And that it would feature only the sets that are currently on Arena plus Throne of Eldraine. So it would kind of grow naturally out of Standard, uh, but it would be very, very similar to Standard for the for the time being. And that they would not be adding any extra cards into it, but that they would think about that in the future. They'd look into it. So instead of that, what they are doing is, well, they're, they're keeping the same the same thing. That it's, it's still going back to Ixalan. Uh, however... They are going to change... Well, okay, here's the first thing. They're going to add new cards. They're not going to add them in the way that we kind of thought they might, which was adding sets, kind of growing back from what's in standard now, back to, say, Origins. Origins was the kind of logical end point that a lot of people thought that they might aim for. So people thought that they might add, you know, before Ixlan there was, what, Kaladesh, wasn't it? So they, they maybe they'd add Kaladesh. Oh, no, sorry, Amonkhet, Amonkhet. So maybe they'd Amonkhet add first, yeah. back in, then Kaladesh, then Shadows over Innistrad. Okay, maybe they'll do that, and maybe they'll just ban some of the problematic cards. But they've decided not to do that, not to do that which I'm going to guess that their reasoning is that Kaladesh is just too powerful. Amonkhet also has some really powerful cards, but Kaladesh is just way too powerful. And uh, I, I can imagine that without banning a whole load of stuff, it's just going to cause a headache and just be too good in the format. So maybe that's their reasoning there. But instead of doing all that, yeah. what decided yeah. is that they're going to add approximately 15 to 20 cards in November. And then they're going to continue to do that every quarter after that. So they're just adding 15 to 20 random cards to historic every quarter for the foreseeable future. And these are going to be cards from throughout the history of Magic. So uh, they can be whatever. And they made a tweet that suggested some cards, such as Dark Confident, Dark Confidant, uh, Worm Coil Engine, Firebolt, Brainstorm. So these are really ridiculously powerful cards. And I think this idea is horrendous. I think those cards are too powerful to be in standard. If they just put a greatest hits of like format staples from like modern or legacy or whatever, okay, yeah, they're not going to be as powerful in historic because they don't have the other stuff surrounding them, but they're going to be very, very clear format staples very quickly. So I just don't think that that's a very good idea and it doesn't make historic interesting or unique from other formats very much. And I wish that they would just add sets normally like normal people. Sorry, I ranted for a yeah, second there. You, you... No, yeah, you're, you're it's, it's something I feel the very same way because it's uh, like when, when I was reading this, like I was so excited as I was reading through this because if you imagine the, the meme of uh, Mr. Man's, Vince McMahon's face as he's you know, receiving each piece of news, it's like uh, 
historic, we're going to say most of what we said about historic has changed. It's like, yes. And then, uh, so, you know, we, we, took, we took into account your complaints. You're like, yes. And it says, you know, it should feel distinct from other constructed formats. Yes, there should be, there's some, there should be some competitive aspect to it. Like, yes, even more. And um, we should find a balance uh, for long-term health of MGG Arena. You're like, yes, this is exactly what we wanted. Um, so like everything up to there was like, they're going to do it. They're going to announce, you know, if I just, I was like, I'm just going to skip ahead to the next paragraph just try to find either Battle of Zendikar or uh, or Magic Origins or just uh, a name on italics for whatever this new format's going to start. Uh, but now <laughs> they, 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 they broke the news to us in the form of another meme. Uh, the title is New Cards, Who Dis? And uh, this is where they tell us that, yeah, we're just going to add 15 to 20 cards in November. Uh, it's not going to be another set. There's going to be some random cards. So like so reading that, I was like trying to, even because it's so exciting, because I thought it was going to be like an actual extended standard format. Uh, at first thinking, oh, it's kind of disappointing. But then I suppose I was kind of getting excited because thinking, oh, well, I suppose this probably, if they had cards like Runcle Engine or, 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 or Dark Confident, it's like, I suppose we are getting a step towards having Modern itself on MTG Arena. Because obviously, you say Modern has a, has a card pool of like thousands and thousands of cards, but only, I don't know, maybe, maybe you need something like, 300 are like played regularly, you know, in tournaments. Uh, if they just added those, if they just say, if they just added, uh, wouldn't all the cards are played at say the SG Open uh, last weekend? Uh, if they just added all of those cards into the format, I mean, it'd be something closer to modern. Uh, so that, that, in my head, that was like an argument that, like, oh, maybe we can slowly build towards having uh, modern on arena. But then yeah, the more I thought about it, the more this idea is absolutely, ter- absolutely terrible. Um, yeah, because I suppose, first of all, yeah, no one wanted it. Like, it's, in every single thread or every single comment on every single Twitter thread I read, uh, people, basically everyone just wanted to know kind of what sets to start off with. People wanted it to extend back into the past. We wanted to send it back into the past. We wanted something close to Frontier. Uh, but then this, like, oh, adding some powerful cards to, cards to this format just seems just like such a, a half hour attempt at, 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 at making it different. Uh, and then as well, at the same time, it's, because like, we recently had this this uh, design team on in, in, in this, this play design team, uh, kind of making sure that the formats have been very, very balanced. And like though the last few sort the last few standard formats have been really, really, really good. Uh, it's been a long time since we had all the broken cards at Kaladesh and, and all that. So the fact now that like <laughs> these very, very busted cards are gonna be added to a format that was very well balanced and very well like, played and tested, it's like you know, there's no way there there's no way the play design team are gonna test the likes of Wormcoil Engine and, and Dark Confident in this arc to the same extent that they are testing new cards coming into standard. So this this could very quickly become uh, a garbage fire. Yeah, and yeah, that that's a, that's a good point. And, and I also think that Historic is a format that it only exists on Arena now, but, you know, people maybe had hopes for it to exist in the future in paper. But this is something that we talked about earlier. And I think it was it was Mark on the Irish Magic page who, who made this point originally that this makes it very very difficult for historic to ever exist in paper because legality in the format will be such a big complicated mess that you'll you'll it'd be very hard to remember exactly what's what's legal and what's not in the format yeah yeah exactly that was like that i think that his comment was the first comment that made me realize oh wait this actually is very bad this news is not good and yeah and then kind of from there the more i thought about it the worse it got um i, I think it's so, like i was not Sorry, go ahead. No, I was, was going to start segueing on to the next point by saying uh, you know, I thought it was very bad at this point. Uh, but then when I read about how uh, you know, redeeming wildcards for this format will work, 
uh, gets much worse. Yeah, I do want to clarify that. Well, okay, let's let's just talk about how you actually do it. So basically, they've said that they're going to increase the cost of historic cards to two wild cards of the appropriate rarity rather than one. So let's say you want to craft um, after rotation, you want to craft Search for Ascanta. So you need a rare wild card at the moment. If you want to craft Search for Ascanta, you need one rare wild card. In the future, after it's rotated out of standard and historic exists. It's going to be two rare wild cards to craft one search for us Kanta. So they're doubling the price of all cards in historic, basically. Uh, if a card is also in standard, then you'll be able to craft it for uh, the normal price, one wild card. However, if there is a card that is in standard and in historic in like two different sets, then the original, like the the older version, the historic version, will still cost two wild cards, which is also kind of silly to me as well like if you look at a card like luminous bonds that currently has it was printed in uh or let's let's look at negate a very simple one uh negate was printed in core 2020 and it was printed in, in uh, like ixalan so after rotation if you want to craft a core 2020 negate it will cost you one common wildcard if you want to ca- craft an ixalan negate i mean they happen to be exactly the same they have the same art and everything but you know for the sake of argument uh, that will cost you two common wildcards, which just seems silly to me. And yeah, players were very, very unhappy about this change and have been very vocal about it. Um, one thing, one point of confusion that I think a lot of people are having is that they think that these 15 to 20 packs of cards are going to be, like that the only way you can get them is by crafting them at the new inflated rate. And while you will be able to craft them at that rate, uh wizards have also said that every time they introduce these cards they will have like a special event on arena that you can join and get full play sets of the cards by by doing the event in much the same way you do now for like the special land events that they've been doing recently or whatever so i think those won't actually be as hard to acquire they'll essentially be free you'll just play the game a bit and get them uh but obviously if you're not playing during that event or you take a break or you haven't started the game let's say you don't start the game until a year from now or two years from now you will have missed those events so you'll have to craft the cards if you want them yeah and i think it's yeah i suppose i'm trying to wrap my head around kind of the the economics of why they're opting for this because are, like are they worried that if they were if everything was the same price are they worried people wouldn't open packs of new set is that what it is um would that have an impact yeah i mean it's definitely worth it to stop for a moment and not just go oh i hate this i have to spend more and to think about why Wizards has done this, um, I think one of the things that really annoys people as well is in the article. Let me let me see if I can find the actual the actual text. Do 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 do. Okay, mm, we want to ensure that players new to Magic can still learn the ropes and start their collection through standard and draft as the primary methods of play, with historic available to seasoned players looking to explore more of Magic's rich history. But we also needed to look at the long-term impact Historic would have on MTG Arena as a whole as we move towards supporting it as a true non-rotating format. It's a difficult problem to tackle, but to do so, we're changing how wildcards work for Historic cards. And then blah, 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 they explain the change. So that whole first paragraph ostensibly is them explaining why they're doing this change. But it's very, very obtuse, and I think it's not really very clear, uh, their explanation. Um but thinking about it logically, they're saying here that they want new players to start with standard and draft. So basically, they want to discourage new players from crafting historic cards. 
They want new players to be like, oh, this is where I go. And a really obvious way to surface that in the client is to look at the collection and look at the sets and say, oh, wait, this costs two wildcards to craft? I don't have that. I'm not, I'm not doing a deck for this. And you're scared of it, and then you go away. So you go to the standard or you go to draft. Um, but I just think that's so stupid. Could they not just put in a warning to say, hey, this is historic. This is a more, this is a crazy format. Yeah, and they already have, they already have you know, um, warnings like that when you try to, you know, when you build the next out, it says, you're going to rotate. It's like, yeah, that, that's, that's fine. And I think there's, yeah, there's so many ways they could have done this. I, mean, this, I feel like this, this explanation is clearly not the real reason. This is like a smoke screen. But uh, if this was their main concern, they could have hit it in so many different, in so many better ways. Like they could have, you know, what if they just said, oh, you can't play, like say, say maybe get something on like Hearthstone. It's like, you can't play this format unless you have, I don't know, reach whatever it is, level 10 with all the heroes or something like that. You know, this is a way to make sure um, the, the players are familiar with the client and familiar with all the options. Uh, before they go into the specific mode, and that's something that's very, very easy to do. And I think this kind of flies in the face of. Like, this, I think this is almost how this almost has the opposite effect to what they want. Because like, like, we, I mean, we were this we before. You know, like we thought, God, back back in back in the day when we thought, uh, you know, um, Arena's biggest problem was going to be how they're going to introduce new sets onto the client. So back then, one of the suggestions that we, you know, we were kind of you know, talking about different ways it could have. You know, how, how could you get origin packs on Magic Arena? And then I think a point someone made was like, oh, you know, uh, a new player is going to feel really, really bad if they spend all, all their money on, uh, on so cards from Battle for Zendikar, cards from Shadows of Distrad, only to learn they can't be played in standard. Um, so like, it's like that problem, still, that problem still exists uh, only by fixing it this way, which you're doing now is they're just going to have the player who spends all the wall cards on cards from outside of standard they're going to feel even worse because they spend twice as much. So it's like if it's still something that can happen. Um, because I mean, like, even like, even I just know anecdotally that, uh, you know, it's always like some, some, like, not everybody approaches these games the same way. Like, I've literally overheard someone say, Oh, yeah, you know, I try this, this new magic game, this seems pretty good. I'm going to go to Magic Green and all right, uh, here's here's my uh, credit card for you know, $300, got $300 worth of cards, uh, craft all the cards I want. So, like, some brand new players are still going to come in with uh, a load of cash. And uh, will just buy whatever they want, and it's it's those players. And, and you know, from a business point of view, from a business point of view, though, the pro, that profile player or player you want to keep happiest the most. Uh, and this method of having these wildcards cost twice as much is a way of really screwing over the new player who can afford uh, historic cards who actually doesn't want them. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I think another reason why wizards might want to do this. And they made the point in, in this paragraph, um, they needed to look at the long-term impact Historic would have. And it does kind of logically follow that if, I mean, this is what happens with paper magic with standard and modern, right? Um, players enter the game, right? Usually players enter the game maybe at the core set. So they'll, they'll get into the game during summer or whatever throughout the year. Then it'll start to come to rotation and these new players who have been putting together decks will hear about rotation and people will talk to them about it and they go, oh, I don't get to play with these cards anymore? That sucks. I hate this. And at that point, some players will leave the game because they don't like it. Or they learn about modern and they go, oh, your cards never rotate there? Oh, I'll just go there. And then they find a deck that they like there. They spend a bit more initially. Obviously, in Paper Magic, they spend more on the secondary market because the cards are old. Um... And then they say, okay, standard's not for me. 
I don't like the idea of rotation. So I'm just going to play modern forever. And I think Wizards doesn't want to lose their standard customers on Arena in that way. They want to keep everybody playing standard as the primary format. And they want as few people as possible to leave standard, go to historic and never come back to standard. And I think that is a bit silly because in paper, I kind of, I actually understand that more in paper, even though they can't really do it in paper because they don't control the secondary market. Um, But from that secondary market, they make no money. But on Arena, they control all those cards and they make money for every single card that you buy and every wild card that you get and spend. They have given it to you. They have supplied it to you by money or possibly free to play or whatever. So they're, they're getting the money either way. So I don't really understand why they would want to do this. I mean, obviously for the first many years that Historic exists, it will be heavily, heavily influenced by Standard. Every single Standard set will have cards that become relevant in Historic. So people will be heavily incentivized to be also buying Standard. Once you've bought a couple of Standard packs because you or you've crafted a few Standard cards because you want to add them to your Historic decks, you're going to be like, well, I've crafted these cards anyway. I might as well play Standard. So I think that that problem uh, is not really a problem in the in the next like five to six years. Uh, they've said long term here, so maybe they're thinking even more long term than that. But I think that's a bit premature to be thinking that long term for Arena, because like the in the, in this day and age, a video game, ev- even something like Arena, like obviously. <laughs> Wizards stretch out Magic Online for a long time, but I don't think that they can stretch out something like Arena for as long a time without refreshing it or doing something. I guess it's it's a platform and they can just update the graphics or whatever. But yeah, I I, I kind of understand their long term thinking, but at the same time, I don't know. I think people, I think like even if you look at how impactful recent standard has been on modern, people are always going to need to buy standard cards when they become relevant in the older format. So I, I think this is kind of a non-issue and Wizards is overreacting to it. And I think that this change will eventually be walked back. I think they're going to announce a change in like two weeks where they're like, oh, nobody liked this, so we're going to change it back. Yeah, exactly. I think it's that, that is, we've seen it do that plenty of times before. Uh, kind of one thing that I'm kind of annoyed at is I'm kind of annoyed that this is what everyone's arguing about or this is what everybody's expressing this or distaste about because I feel like, you know, I just, I just want Frontier to be a format. And uh, if all the nerds were outraged about uh, not getting a few sets before uh, Ixalan, uh, maybe that's what they'd roll back. But um, it seems like, yeah, maybe they'll roll back on this terrible uh, pricing issue. Uh, but it seems like these uh, 15, 20 cards in November aren't going to stay. Yeah, I think the opinions, <laughs> like, the opinions on that are a lot more mixed. Yeah, some people do like it. And I feel like, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I, I usually don't get very uh, emotive in like arguments online and stuff. but. Like I feel like now it's like there's there is something at stake that if everyone's voice is not unified to get the thing I want, I won't get it. So I feel like now I'm uh, because I very much want you know an extended format more so than uh, extra modern cards in in standard. Um, I feel like I'm more heavily incentivized to take to the Twitter sphere and argue with people about why their opinion is wrong because I want things my way. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're probably shedding into the void there. I just want to cast Elder Deep Fiend again. It's actually much to ask for. That would be so sweet. I would love those things. Like, they did make the point in the announcement that there are a bunch of cards from every set that just never, ever get used. And it's just a lot of extra work to program them when they won't get used. And 
I mean, I definitely sympathize with that, but I don't think that the answer to that should then be, okay, let's put a lot of modern staples in this format that hasn't even had time to grow organically yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. I mean, I don't know. What about like some kind of cool uh, standard masters where uh, it's like a limited, like, it's like a masters format, except it just has all of the cards from uh, it's a, a selection, a handpicked selection of constructed playable cards from Origins up to Kaladesh. That doesn't include the broken ones. Yeah, I think that's even a better idea. Like if they if they chose these 15 to 20 cards from sets that are no older than say the last five years i think that would actually be that would be a lot better than just choosing from any era of magic um i mean maybe that's the same i don't know maybe i'm just maybe yeah that's true for no reason like to to a player who started three weeks ago a card from five years ago and a card from 20 years ago might as well be the same so maybe that's just my my own personal bias showing through because because i started playing five years ago so yeah, I mean, exactly. And I'm aware that uh, I. it's kind of funny how when I, I see people talk about old school, I just can't understand the appeal to a format like that. Uh, whereas obviously the whole appeal is driven by uh, driven by nostalgia. And um, yeah, I guess a lot, a lot of listeners who are, I'd say probably a lot of people listening to this are like, God, why are, I say, God, some, think about some listeners who might have been playing for longer than us. Uh, they're probably thinking, God, like, why, why are these guys so obsessed with Frontier? And uh, yeah, it's because that's our kind of nostalgia era of first discovering the game and uh, all the sweet stuff there. Yeah. So, yeah that's it's definitely is a, an emotional tie rather than a logical one. Well, I mean, the, the reason that I keep banging the drum for Frontier is because it's actually a fairly, enjo- well, the times that I've played it, which is not that many times, you know, just probably similar number of times that you have, just when it started out, it was actually an absolutely fine format that was, you know, quite fun. And I'm sure it's like very, like Frontier still goes on and I'm sure it's like very different now and much more interesting yeah. or whatever uh but the the unnecessary extreme vehement hate that people had for frontier was the thing that really kind of got to me because it's like why are you so annoyed by a way that somebody wants to play magic like who cares who cares if it was taught by a shop as a way to sell old cards what what else are the cards going to be doing let them bring joy to people and let people have games and play with them. Who cares? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I didn't get the hate for it either. Uh, people were like, oh, well, I remember a format called Tiny Years and that died. It's like, so, why must this die as well? And then, A lot of people brought the same, the same uh, attitude to Brawl. And, you know, that was one of the reasons why that kind of fizzled out as well. And, you know, thankfully that's being revived on Arena and, like, that was officially supported by Wizards. So um, that that format has a chance. But then you have other formats, like, for example, Oathbreaker, that, I, I mean, I don't really understand why Oathbreaker needs to exist very much. I don't really get it. I don't really like that format. I don't think it's that interesting. But people love it, and there's no hate for it. I just don't understand why did, <laughs> why did the... The community-grown format that I liked. Why didn't that get to live? This <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Now you have old school. I hope you're happy because uh, it's like you get either get old school or you get frontier. You pick one. <laughs> you better be happy with it. Yeah, I would definitely sacrifice old school for frontier. I, I'm sure that's probably, <laughs> that's probably sacrilege to some people. But anyway, whatever. Uh, all right. There, there is one more point from this announcement that is interesting. And that is that Historic will be available in Ranked. So there will be a Ranked ladder in Historic. I 
don't know if it's going to contribute to your same like constructed rank like this you know the way now if you play standard best of one or best of three they both contribute to the same rank somehow magically uh i don't know if if historic will contribute to that rank or there'll be a separate rank for that the way that there is for constructed and limited at the moment i imagine it'll just contribute to your constructed rank and i believe that they are doing it on a trial run there they'll be they'll be doing it for just a few weeks um yeah sorry so it is it is uh clarified here the historic ranked queue will contribute to the same constructed rank as standard uh historic decks will only be matched against other historic decks Initially, we plan to offer historic rank queue for a limited time around four weeks. So this is cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't see this. Uh, because I suppose there was a fear of them dividing your player base if they just introduced another ladder for people to play instead. And um, so it makes sense for them to want to try it to see if that will be the case. Uh, if it will, kind of, you know, we just have two an active ladders rather than one active ladder if this happens. But um, yeah, it's, it's worth worth seeing, I guess. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> At the same time, like, I'm going to complain about this again. Uh, even though, like, I complained last time that there was no competitive reason to do it, uh, I feel like just contributing to the same constructed rank is maybe not the correct way to introduce competition to the format because it's kind of like, on, on the one hand, they're disincentivizing people from getting into it with the price increases and the weird, like, adding random cards. And then on the other hand, they're saying, oh, yeah, but play it in ranked and i i just don't i think those two like they're doing a weird experiment with the format which doesn't lend itself very well to like constructed spikiness breaking the format figuring things out matchups uh you know constructing a good sideboard it doesn't really lend itself to the to those kind of things and i i just feel like those two ideas really oppose each other uh and i i kind of i would like to to see them do something a bit different with the competitiveness of this maybe make it something like, I don't know, even like a separate rank or that qualifies you or gets you a different thing. Like keep keep the, uh, the MCQ qualification for the standard constructed rank and then maybe make historic give you like a slightly different thing. Or maybe it could be like the, the competitive metagame challenges that come up every once in a while where it's a, it's a high buy-in. And if you, you know, if you lose once you're out, and if you get like 10 wins, seven wins or whatever, you get a huge payout. Uh, so only the best people get it or whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe just contributing to the same ladder rank seems weird to me. Yeah, that, that, that does seem strange because I mean, it's yeah, like, well, yeah, you know, people are incentivized to break this format as quickly as possible. <laughs> like, will it fill the role they wanted to fill? Yeah, like, then it's like you're saying, maybe it does. Did you want it to be spiky? Because did you want to, did you, did you want to target this towards uh, more enfranchised player, players, people who be playing for longer? Um, then it's like maybe over time there'll be a more broken deck that might be easier to climb this ladder. Like oh, maybe you know, a, a true spike will look at both ladders and be like, all right, which one, which one can I climb faster with? Yeah, it, it seems strange. But I guess I mean, I, I suppose at least since the fact that they are trialing this, hopefully if these issues do arise, they'll notice it during the trial and uh, and fix them. Yeah. All right. I think uh, I think it's time to wrap up the episode, right? I think so. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff today. It was a very randy episode from me. Sorry. <laughs> but it was there was things to rant about. Yeah, I felt very upsetting about many of the things. Please, wizards, we just want frontier. <laughs> even I don't think it's happening. Even, uh, even a little bit lesser. Like officially say, oh yeah, frontier is legal. I think <laughs> the players actually would not like. Well, half half the people would be like, yay. The other half would be like, no, we don't want that. 
definitely they don't want Fetch as a yeah. format, but I mean, I would just yeah. them to just add Shadows over Innistrad <laughs> to this format. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because people say that the uh, the cards with Shadows are already programmed, in, already some of them are already programmed into the into the client. I think so, yeah. So, like that's an easy win, right? Yeah. Just press a button. I mean, it's not, probably not just press a button because some of them are probably. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> That they, they yeah, I've been to, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they would need to do like animations and graphics and whatever for the uh, the mythics and what have you. So like, obviously, it's not just press a button. There, there is actual work involved. But I would say there's a lot less yeah. work involved in putting the like the shadows cards, the Amonkhet cards, the Kaladesh cards in than there are in putting new cards in. Uh, again, I don't know what's holding them back. They, they need to. I think they need to communicate more and be more forthright about their reasons for these kind of things. Uh, like they said that they would be, I guess it's different parts of the company. It's the, the esports people who said that they're like, oh, we're going to be very communicative now. And this is the arena team. So different teams, but uh, whatever. Anyway, more communication would be, would be appreciated. Yeah. I imagine we're going to have an announcement sometime relatively soon uh, with updates on this, maybe walking back the, the two to one wildcard uh, spending thing but yeah that's going to wrap it up for yeah. this episode next episode it'll probably just be me and Kieran because I will be away and there is a, a Throne of Eldraine preview event on the 4th of September so we will maybe see some cards there maybe we'll just find out mechanics I don't know but there'll be some kind of streaming event where we'll learn some new information about Throne of Eldraine so we'll be talking about that on the show next week and uh, yeah that's going to do it from us today so if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com, and crack is spelled C-R-A-I-C. Or you can tweet at us, at skullcrack on Twitter, if you want to get in touch, if you want to ask any questions, send us some custom cards. We always enjoy those. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us today. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I will partake. I will partake in the modern challenge. And I will destroy that challenge. I will win. I will have good content to describe that movement on Sunday. Yes, I ain't I ain't I ain't afraid of I ain't afraid of the one twos. I ain't afraid of the that go best powerful artifacts in games. Uh, we'll all be fine. All the lads.